Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Yes, yes, hallelujah. God has a good word for you today. Thank you, Father, for what you have to share with us today. Thank you, Lord God, that today is a day of breakthrough. Thank you that today is a day of change. Thank you that today you're going to make a difference in our lives again. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about recognizing the signs of your big break. Recognizing the signs of your big break. You know, there's a lot of people that feel that there's something out there that needs to happen for them, but they just can't seem to grasp it. And it just seems to be just out of their reach. And it's like, when will my big break happen? When will this happen? When will this change? When will this, when will this occur? And I feel that the Lord has stirred me to share some things concerning this because there are signs that you need to pay attention to. There are signs that you need to know that will enable you to know something big is about to happen. And I want you to know that God is a big God, and when he does things, he does it big. He doesn't do it small. He doesn't do it in a way that is cheap. God is not a cheap God. He's not someone who does things halfway. And No, no, God is a God who does things big. He wants to blow your mind. He wants to do something exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Sometimes it's important, though, for us to see the signs. Because if you don't see the sign, it can delay you. And you can continue going on a path that you shouldn't go. I'm thinking of the uh, New Jersey Turnpike. Anybody drive on the New Jersey Turnpike? So if you know about the New Jersey Turnpike, you know that the exits are very, very far apart, right? And if you miss one exit, my God, <laughs> you'll be on that road for like the next 20 minutes before the next exit. And then you got to get off and come back down. <laughs> I mean, one missed exit can cost you 40 minutes, you know, depending on the kind of road you're on. And I believe that sometimes... There are signs that we cannot afford to miss. Because if we miss these signs, it can bring delay in our lives. It can cause us to be on a road longer than we should be. God is not so sensitive. I don't want to make him like that. Like you made one mistake. Oh, forget it. You're so delayed. But there are some important signs that we should be aware of. There are some things that if we're not aware of, it can delay us. And I want you to know that you're not going to miss your big break in Jesus' name. Your big break is the thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been desiring, the thing that you've been wanting, the thing that you've been believing for. Your big break is what God has promised you. What you sense on the inside is for you. That's your big break. And for everyone, it's different. But that's what it is. And I want you to pay attention to it. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16, looking at verse 1 to 3. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today 
for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. That's interesting because Jesus pointed to our weather patterns. He pointed to the sky, and we all can relate to that. We can go outside, and if we see that it's cloudy, we say, oh, there's an overcast. It seems like it may rain. And he says, you're able to see these signs, but you don't recognize the times that you're living in. And he was speaking about a generational effect, not just individual people like I'm talking to you about. He was speaking from a generational point, and he was pointing really to himself. He was like, you don't really see that all these signs you're asking for and the sign that you really are looking for is staring you right in your face. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that your prophets have spoken of. I'm the one that is sent by God. And you can tell if it's going to rain. You can tell if it's going to be a good sunny day. You can tell all these signs, but you're missing the most important. And so what it teaches me is that we can discern signs. There are signs, and we can see them. And Jesus expects us to. He expects us to see the signs. I'm going to get into what those signs are, but I want to just lay this foundation that you can see those signs when your big break is about to happen. Number one, I want to share this with you. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How do I see the signs? Before what the signs are, how do I see them? How do I recognize them? I want you to pay attention to this note here. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's a very specific term I'm using because it's in the Bible, and I want you to remember it, and we're going to read it. Pray for the spirit of wisdom. Somebody say wisdom and revelation. All right? Why? Because it's this prayer that opens your eyes to see the signs. It's this prayer that opens your senses to recognize the signs that are before you. Paul prayed this prayer for the church of Ephesus. And this is what it looks like. Ephesians 1, 15 to 17. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm going to say that one more time. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, I don't want you just to have knowledge of God. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. What does that mean? You can have a whole bunch of facts about God. God is good. God is great. God created all things. God is omnipresent. These are all knowledge. That's knowledge. That's what you know about God. But do you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? That's a different point. What does that look like? It's not just knowing facts about God. It's not just knowing 
who he is and what he did or the stories of the Bible. It's being able to tap into the productive use of that knowledge. It's being able to appropriate the knowledge that you have and see it work in your life. It's being able to understand God being good. Now, how does that affect my life in this context? Seeing that God is great, how does that impact this situation? How do I appropriate this knowledge that I have of God in this moment? That's what you call the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And that's what all believers need. We need the spirit of wisdom. We need to not just know things about God. We need to tap into the wisdom and the revelation. Revelation is when something is revealed to your, 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 your mind. You, you, have a, you have an understanding all of a sudden. And now you're able to walk in a greater level of intimacy with God. That's what he prayed for. I'm praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Now, I want to say this to you. One thing I do about this prayer... I, 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 this is the best prayer you can pray in the knowledge of God, but I believe it applies to anything you need from God. So who struggles with math? You don't have to raise your hand. But if you do struggle with math and you're in school and you have a big math test, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of calculus. And I believe that because you're invoking God into this calculus, he can give you wisdom and revelation. Now, the best thing is the knowledge of God. We know that. But whatever else you may need to know, ask God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of that thing. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of raising my children. I know the facts. I know you do this. I know you do that. I know you do this. But Lord, give me wisdom. Give me revelation. Open it up in my spirit, man. Help me to see it. Help it. I want it to come alive in me. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is what you need to discern the times that you're living in and to see the signs that something big is waiting for you. All of a sudden, something is staring at your face and you see it for what it is. I, I'm guilty of this. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'll be, you know, looking for something in the cabinet and it'll be staring at me right in my face. And I don't see it. And you know, you know when this happens to me a lot? Is when I already have a preconceived notion of what it looks like. And I'm not reading. Right? So if I think it should be in a yellow canister, I'm just looking for yellow. I'm like, where's, where's the yellow? Where's the yellow? I might need coffee, and it could be a brown canister, but I'm thinking yellow, and I'm just looking for yellow. And though brown canister that says coffee right in front of my face is right there. I'm missing it because I have a preconceived notion of what I'm looking for. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is exactly what happens. We may have preconceived notions of what we're looking for. This is what this is what you do. You pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Something is revealed to you. Something that's beyond just knowledge. And all of a sudden, what you see is what you need to see. And you understand it for what it is. And you're able to see the big break that God has presented to you. That's my prayer for this entire church. You individually. That the signs that are before you, you will see. You will not miss it in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell a funny story because it's so true. When I... Um, 
when, I, when me and First Lady were friends, um, I remember I was um, just hanging out with, with, my, with my pastor, and um, he was just talking to me about just different things, and he asked me, he said, so what's up with you and LaShan, you know? And we were just friends. We were just hanging out and nothing much. You know, we didn't really talk about anything of, of an of a intimate nature of being together. And I just explained to him, I said, oh, that's just my homie. We're just cool. We're just friends. He's like, hmm. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I, I believe you'll be, able to, you'll be mature to hear this. He told me a while ago, before that time, he says, you, you, you don't need to be with an immature believer. You need to be with someone that is rooted in the faith. Because I remember when I got saved, my, my standard was like, she said the prayer. That's it. It's good. You know, like as soon as, as, soon as you said Jesus, oh, she saved. You know what I mean? Free license. And I remember that there were times where, you know, there were some women that I was kind of thinking about. And pastor was like, nah, bro, you, you need someone really rooted in the word. Like, she got to be really saved, saved. And yeah, <laughs> you know, not just I believe in God, saved. There's different levels to this. <laughs> So I remember, I was like, well, Pastor, you know, this, she could not be the one because she just got saved. She just got saved maybe a few months ago. So remember what you told me? He says, yeah, I know what I told you, but for some reason, <laughs> this one feels different. And I was like, but it, does, it didn't make any sense to me for different reasons, natural reasons, silly reasons. I won't even go into all of it, but it didn't make sense. And I'm kind of like arguing with him, like, no, it can't be because of this, and it can't be because of this. And he's just quiet listening to me. It can't be because of this. It can't be, it can't be, it can't be. And then after like five, 10 minutes of rambling, I kind of got quiet. And it just like, the sign just hit me. This is it. And an overwhelming peace came upon me. It was somewhat confusing at first because it didn't fit the narrative. First and foremost, she was a recent, you know, believer. Two, and this is gonna sound silly, I'm gonna be honest with you, but you know, don't judge me, guys, I was immature. <laughs> and she felt the same way, so blame her too. <laughs> we came from different backgrounds. You know, she's, she's black American. I'm black American too because I was born in this country, but I came from a Haitian background. And we both talked, nah, that wouldn't work because, you know, you know I, she, she, has, she has stigmas against Caribbean men. You know, yes. <laughs> and I had a little bit of, I had some stigmas against black American women. I thought, you know, I said, yo, I don't want no, you know, nah, -uh, don't you know. I was afraid of that. I was like, no, I never saw my mom do that. So we were like, this ain't going to work. But the signs was there. I couldn't deny what I felt in my spirit. And then I went to Houston, Texas. And then I'm just there for a conference. I'm with two other people and I'm restless. I'm like, man, what's going on with you, you know? It's like, then I felt the Lord begin to deal with me. Yeah, this is who I have for you. I got off that plane. I didn't even go home. I went straight to the barbershop. Went straight to her house after that. 
because I recognize the signs. The same will be true, and that was a big break for me. That was God adding favor in my life, adding beauty to me, adding grace to me. And I believe the same is true for you. I can go on and on about different moments where I thought this would look like this. This would be like this. It would happen this way. But again, I'm looking for a yellow canister, but in reality, it's brown. And it still contains what you're looking for. So pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Look at Matthew 26, 41. I shared this story just a couple of weeks ago. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's asking his disciples to pray. And he says that my heart is exceedingly sorrowful. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. Think about this. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Why should you pray? Lest you enter into temptation. The flesh or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So how do you recognize the signs? I'll get to the signs later, but let me just tell you how you recognize it. I'm telling you first and foremost, pray for the spirit of wisdom revelation because it's in prayer that you recognize certain things that will try to put you on a detour away from your big break. Jesus recognized that moment and he said, guys, this is a very big moment in history. I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And they didn't listen. And because they didn't listen, they almost, and I put that in quotes because I knew God's sovereign plan would come to pass. But because they didn't listen, they reacted in a way that would have almost changed the course of history. Peter took out his sword and chopped off the ear of one of the servants who came to try to take Jesus and bring him to the high priest so that he can be judged and crucified. Why did he do that? Of course, he loved Jesus. Of course, he didn't want to see Jesus go to the cross. We know that. But because he wasn't praying, he didn't recognize the moment. The rest of the disciples were sleeping. They were sleeping when Jesus came back and said, hey, guys, don't you realize I need you to watch and pray? They were sleeping, the Bible says, and he would go back and say, Father, if it's possible, let this cut pass from me. And then he comes back, and guess what? They're still sleeping. What happens when the moment comes? They react in a way. They react in a way that is contrary to what Christ wanted. So prayer, I want to be very clear about this. It's very simple. How do I recognize my big break? You must be in prayer and specifically praying for the spirit of wisdom and what? The spirit of wisdom and what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation. We all can relate to what it feels to get revelation. Have you ever read the word over and over and over again? And then the umpteen time you read it, all of a sudden, revelation. I think I shared this with you before, but I'll share it again. I remember the very first time, one of my, one of my challenges as a, as a teenager, a young man growing up, just about to hit 20, I was, um, the Lord began to deal with me about keeping myself for marriage. And 
I sincerely, I'm, I'm being very sincere, I sincerely did not believe that the Bible taught that. I said, nah, this is, this is a mis... Man wrote that. <laughs> you, know, you know how you, when you don't like something, that's man. Man wrote that. <laughs> no, but I, I felt like, no, this was a misinterpretation. I looked at the Greek. Fornication really meant this. It didn't mean that. I, re, I remember arguing, no, this is not really what the scriptures is teaching. And I also remember the moment when being in the word of God, it was like something just fell off my eyes and I saw the truth of the matter. It was 1 Corinthians 7. I never forgot it. Because people have preached to me for days, for years, about so many different things. Don't you realize people can preach to you about something over and over and over and over again? You don't need people preaching to you so much. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I heard so many, I heard so much preaching about so much, so many things, it meant nothing to me. That's why when I'm standing before you, I'm not a fool to think that my words are so persuasive that it will change your heart, change your mind. No, what I do, I pray, Lord, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation because I know what it feels like. To hear someone preach to you and say something to you and it means nothing to you because there's no revelation in it. The Holy Spirit is not involved in it. And I remember, I was reading 1 Corinthians 7, and then this small little verse, it is better to marry than to burn. And then the Lord said, now notice, I didn't give a third option. I didn't say it's better to have sex than to burn. I only gave two, marriage or burning passion. Those are the two options which show you I didn't mean for you to have sex outside of marriage. Once I read that, the case was closed for me. It was like revelation hit my heart, and it became a standard by which I lived. And I was very passionate about it. And the reason why I was passionate about it is because revelation hit my heart. It wasn't my parents preaching to me. It wasn't some preacher preaching to me. It was the Holy Spirit who breathed revelation. That's why I'm taking my time to emphasize this point. Your big break comes by revelation. And revelation comes to those who are sincerely desiring it. Do you? Because some people don't want it. You, you ever, you're in the dark, you're sleeping, and someone turns the light on. What happens to your eyes? It burns. It hurts. Because the light, as soon as it hits you, sometimes it's not a comfortable thing. So, so that's why some people wear shades. They don't want to see the light. They don't want to see that. But if you have a heart, and I know you do, if you have a heart for revelation, Lord, even if it hurts me, even if it challenges me, even if it bothers me, I want to be in the truth. I want to know what is right. I want to have the conviction for what you have said. If you're that kind of a person, you will receive revelation. And you won't miss your big sign. You won't miss your big break. You won't miss your breakthrough because God is committed to giving revelation to those who want it to be revealed to them. Somebody say, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Do you want that? He said, the flesh, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Let me just tell you very clearly, your spirit wants to pray, 
Your flesh does not. Keep that in mind. Your spirit wants to pray. Your flesh does not want to. Your spirit receives revelation of the season you're in. Your flesh does not. So you may be like, Lord, I feel like something big is on the cusp. Something big is on the horizon. Something big. I feel it. I know I'm not the only one. Have you ever felt that? Lord, I feel you. I feel like I got, this is a season I have to be very cautious. Don't make, don't make any sudden moves. Lord, what are you saying to me? That's a moment. That's a sign. Because you're discerning it by your spirit. Your spirit is one that receives revelation. Your flesh does not. Prayer sensitizes you to the seasons that are coming. I love this topic because I feel like everything really comes down to prayer. Because it's the place where you establish intimacy with the Lord. And it's at that place that God can, can just launch you into different things that he has for you. Prayer is like a springboard that launches you into the will of God. So many times you'll see in scripture where people were in prayer and the Lord revealed something to them. In prayer and the Holy Spirit said, in prayer and something happened. Prayer is that launching pad that springs you forward into the perfect plan of God. This is why, who's excited about the 21 days of prayer we're going to embark on? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm strategically wetting your appetite because I want you to know that this 21 days of prayer is going to be amazing. It's going to be a time where you're going to hear the voice of God and it's going to spring you forward. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, September 3rd, which is a Tuesday, it will be the first day of our 21 days of prayer. We'll be gathering here every weeknight from 7 to 8 p.m. and on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. for 21 days. It's going to be amazing. Praise God. And this is what you're going to see, that prayer will sensitize you to the season you're in. And you're going to see the signs in the name of the Lord. Prayer prepares you for the seasons. It not only sensitizes you, but it prepares you. And I love this last one. Prayer sustains you through, through seasons. It sustains you. It keeps you going. It keeps you moving forward. This is why Jesus prayed or he taught about prayer in Luke 18. And he said, I wish that you would pray and not give up. Why? Because many people pray and give up. And he gave a parable about a woman who... I'm going to say it this way. She was a nag. She was nagging the judge for the judge to execute justice on her behalf. And the judge said, oh, this woman is a nag. But I don't want to be nagged. So let me just do what she's telling me to do so she can stop her nagging. But then Jesus compared the father to that. He says, but how much more will your father <laughs> expect? He will, he will expeditiously. He's not waiting for you to nag. He's not waiting for you to beg. He will expeditiously execute justice on your behalf. 
I want you to understand something, that prayer is something that we must embark on because it is the springboard to being launched into the perfect will of God. I see that in your life. I see that happening for you. I see that this is the season of your big break. You will not miss the signs. Glory to God. Let me get into the signs. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12. Let me just say this first. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Who loves the Lord? All right. Yes. Here's the good news. God has prepared things for you. So if you don't love him, start loving him. (laughs) He has prepared things for those who love him. What does it mean to love God? That means you have a heart for the things he has a heart for. You have a heart for his appearing. You want to see Jesus. You want to serve him. You want to live your life in accordance to his will. The Bible says that he has prepared certain things for you. Glory to God. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So the things that he has prepared... He reveals. He's not trying to hide it from you. He didn't prepare and then hide it. No, he reveals those things. So here's the thing that you can do when you're praying. Lord, what have you prepared for me? Thank God that things are prepared for you. You don't always have to make it up yourself. You just have to ask yourself, Lord, what is prepared for me? Oh, this is blessing me. This is blessing me right right now because I can see myself overlooking that sometimes where I'm trying to prepare it myself. And God is saying to us, hey, there's some things that are already prepared. I already put out the table settings. I've already pulled out and put everything in order. What you need to do is ask, what is prepared for me? Man, what if we live like that? There'll be less striving. There'll be less pushing. There'll be less fighting. There'll be less arguing. Your your button heads, your button heads with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you come back and say, you know what? I don't think you're prepared for me. I, I, I don't think you're the one that's prepared for me because it seems like this is all my own strength, all my own doing. You're in an environment where there's no grace. It's always a, a fight, always a struggle. You got to back up and say, maybe this is just not what God prepared for me. Lord, what have you prepared? Now, I'm not saying that what he prepared for you won't have any challenges. But in the challenges, there'll also be grace. For the Spirit. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? This is one of my favorite scriptures about the spirit of man. Look at the question. It says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Think of your spirit, just for lack of a better word, as a hard drive, okay? And that hard drive has all all the information about you. 
Think of your body, if you would, as a computer. And your spirit is like a chip. It's like a hard drive that contains all the information about you. That's what your spirit is like. And it says, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit? Not your mind. Not your mind. Not your intellect. Not your reasoning. If you want to understand the things about you, you've got to go a little deeper. A little deeper than your understanding. A little deeper than your intellect. You tap into the realm of the spirit by praying in the spirit. Some of you understand what that means. When you go and you pray in the spirit, you pray in tongues. And you begin to ask the Lord to reveal to you the things that he has prepared for you. It is doing that that gives you revelation of what God has prepared for you. Why? It says that he has prepared things for you and he has revealed them through his spirit. So God is not speaking to your mind. He's speaking through his spirit to your spirit, that spirit that knows all the things concerning you. And that's where you have to check for those signs. You begin to pray. Pray in the spirit. Lord, what feels good? What feels right? What seems to be prepared? Where does the grace seem to flow? What seems to be working? What's easy? What do I get quickly? What seems to click? Lord, I'm praying in the spirit. Show me. And all of a sudden, you begin to feel an urge. You begin to get a flash. You begin to sense something. You begin to have a desire for something. All of a sudden, you're excited about something you wasn't excited about before. What's happening? God is revealing what he has prepared for you. That's where your big break is. Your big break is in what God has prepared. Father, may we all walk in, in that moment in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for what you prepared for us. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who was from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given. Notice the word freely. Someone say freely. Freely. Things that are prepared for you are freely given to you by God. Here's the sign of a big break. Number one, there's a peace and stillness that overwhelms you. I remember before Sophia was born, we were married for about six years, five years, about five years before Sophia was born. And I would say year three and year four, we were really working on having a child. The first couple of years, we said we didn't want, we wanted to just, you know, have some time to travel, get to know each other, yada, yada. I learned a lot through that. I learned a lot through that. And one of my advice to couples is don't, because let, 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 let me back up here. When I, when I first got married, I sensed in my heart, have kids right away. And I told that to my wife. I said, I feel like the Lord said you should have kids right away. But we were both like, Nah, we're not doing that. We're like, nah, we want to, we wanna, you know, get to know each other, travel, just be, you know, free. And I dishonored the Lord. And after three or four years of being married, we decided, yeah, it's time to have kids. 
And in my arrogance, I didn't see this right away, but in my arrogance, I felt, okay, well, God, now we're ready. Now we're ready. Come in on the situation. And that one year of trying turned into two years. That two years almost turned into three years. And I remember I was, we, we were, um, you know, we were trying to find out if there was anything wrong biologically, you know, so we saw some doctors just trying to get some things tested. And that's not a pretty process. That is not an easy thing to go through. Trust me, it's not. And we were, I remember I had to drive way out in Long Island, deep in Long Island, 6 a.m., and then take her to work. And we were doing this for a couple of months. I said, babe, something's not right. Mm-mm. Something's not right. You ever get that sense like this, 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 this can't be God. This cannot be God. I said, no way. I said, and, I, and, and revelation hit me. I said, ah. I said, you know what we should have done? Even if that wasn't the Lord that told us have kids right away, we should have had at least an ounce of humility to say, Lord, are you saying this? We just immediately dismissed it. And I said, God, right in the car, right in front of her job, I said, Lord, we repent in our arrogance to say, no, we don't want kids now. Oh, now we're ready, so God bless it. I said, no, Lord, we should have been more sensitive to what you, because you know the best time. You know what our life will be like five years from now. You know what is ideal for us. So we repented right there. Two months later, this is after two and, and plus years of trying. Two months later, without the help of doctors, she was pregnant with Sophia. Right at the point. I told her, I said, we're not going back to that place. We're done. We're repenting. What you doing later on tonight? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what it was. <laughs> I remember shortly thereafter, I was in a restaurant with a couple of friends. And... I just had an overwhelming peace because prior to that, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. Lord, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And you know, you, know, you know when you know you're not by your big break? I learned something. is when there's a frustrating, striving, lack of peace on the inside. I was frustrated. Sometimes mad. God, when is this going to happen? God, what's going on? And you know when I knew, oh, something happened, all of a sudden, those feelings were gone. And I had a complete peace on the inside of me. I knew on the inside, it's done. I knew on the inside, it's done. All that work before, you thinking, yeah, yo, babes, you know, we got to do it this way, yo, you know, I'm going to put it on you tonight. Oh, you're getting pregnant tonight. You put, you put all the energy on your flesh. Nope. The day she got conceived, yo, it, it wasn't that great. I'm going to be honest with you. It was just like, sorry, babes. That's all I got. You know? <laughs> That's all I got, babe. Sorry, I'm tired. And that's what, it, that's what it was. And there was an overwhelming peace. Something is different. How do you know when your big break is around the corner? 
God speaks through his peace. If you're in a place of striving, how do I know if this person is for me? How do you feel on the inside? I can tell you right away, almost right away, if someone's meant for you or not, by the way you talk. You come to me, there's a worried look on your face. I, I, nah, I know. I, I can just tell right away. Nope. But when, there is, when it's God, there's a settling. There's a no rush feeling. There's a confidence. There's almost, almost a fear like, Lord. This is really happening. This is, it's, this is what you're doing. There's a peace. There's an overwhelming peace that comes upon you. That's the sign that something big is right around the corner. Stay in that place of peace. Don't ruin it. Don't go into the energy of your flesh. Don't go into things that, 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 that you feel you have to manipulate. No. Stay in the place of peace, and that's when the breakthrough happens. In the name of Jesus. Number two. I'm going to just talk to you a little bit. Oh, this is good. Old distractions, temptations, and past challenges resurface. Yep. That's how you know a big break is right around the corner. Yep. Old distractions, temptations... And past challenges resurface. Satan has no new tricks. He relies on you not being new. He relies on your mind not being renewed. He has no new tricks. His, his pattern is to keep your mind not being renewed. See, if your mind is not renewed, I don't have to come up with a new trick. There's nothing creative about the enemy. Nothing. He is not a creator. He's a counterfeit. He's really a counterfeit and he's a defeated one at that. And you can study him and know his patterns. And one of the things you'll see in scripture is that he will use old temptations, past challenges, and he'll cause them to resurface. He even tried it with Jesus. Jesus was first in the wilderness. Before he began his ministry, he fasted for how many days? How many nights? 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was in the wilderness fasting. This is before Jesus' ministry took off the ground. And one of the things that the enemy presented to him was, if you are the son of God, turn these bread, the stone into bread. He challenged his ego. He challenged his pride. He challenged what he would feel about himself. He says, listen, you, I heard what was happening in the Jordan River. And you were baptized and the Holy Spirit said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and all this stuff. I heard all that. But if that's really the case, prove it. Notice the same thing happened on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, same mockers. If you are the son of God. If you are who you say you are, come down from the cross. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry to the very end, he was constantly challenged to prove himself, but he passed the test. Challenges will resurface. 
old temptations will resurface. You know why? Because I believe in the realm of darkness. Even though they didn't have a full picture of the glory that was to come, I believe there was something known. Something big is about to happen. Something big, something cataclysmic is about to take place. We got to get this guy off the cross. Come off the cross. You who said that you would destroy the temple in three days and, and, and bring it up back. Come off the cross. Jesus could have done it. He said, I can call a legion of angels and be done with this. But he passed the test. He understood. The Bible says that he, for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, he endured. He endured the cross. He knew the big break. And I'm telling you, when you feel an unreasonable amount of temptation, and when I say unreasonable, meaning it just seems to come out of nowhere. Like, this is crazy now. Like, this temptation will always be here. We know that. You'll always feel some temptation to do wrong. That's a fact. But sometimes it gets crazy. Sometimes it's like, all right, this is not, this, this gotta be the devil for real. That's a sign that your big break is right around the corner. And you gotta be fortified in that moment and say, Lord, Strengthen me right now in my inner man. That's another prayer that, prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. He says, I pray that you'll be strengthened in your inner man. In your inner man. He says, I don't want you to faint. So I'm praying that you'll be strengthened in your inner man. And that's what I pray. I pray, Lord, strengthen me in my inner man. Give me a resolve to go forward in what you've called me to. Number three, this is going to bless you also. How do I know my big break is around? Timely help in unlikely places show up. Timely help in unlikely places show up. Jesus on the cross, before he was on the cross, he had timely help. The reason why this is important, I'm going to share with you how he had Tommy help. I want you to understand that even in difficulty, even in challenges, look for where the grace is. Because if you, if you don't do that, you'll make a mountain out of the challenges and a molehill out of the grace. You don't want to do that. You want to, go revert, you want to reverse that. It's so easy to talk about what's not right, what's going wrong, what you don't like, who's against you, who said what, who's not for you, who's not supporting you. It's so easy to do that and overlook what is right, who is there, who is supporting you. I can't tell you how many memes I've seen. There's one meme that bothers me. There's some memes that just bother me, but there's one that really gets under my skin. And it's like, it's something like this. Whenever you're being elevated, Pay attention to who's not clapping. That bothers me so much. Why are you paying attention to who's not supporting you and you're overlooking those who are? You know why? It's because we take people for granted. You're supposed to cheer me on. You're supposed to be by my side. You're supposed to support me. You're supposed to, you, how, how come you're not? 
And you disregard everybody else that's praying for you, supporting you, believing in you. You're disregarding everyone that is cheering you on, clapping you on. Oh, pay attention to the ones who's not clapping. I, I ignore those who are not clapping. I'm, I'm so, so appreciative of those who are. I'm so aware of the grace of God. This is why Jesus said, even after the disciples des deserted him, he didn't say, oh, my God, poor is me. He says, I'm not alone. My father's with me. Even in the midst of being deserted by his disciples, he chose to recognize, I am not alone. They scourged him. They beat him. They crucified him. Torture his death. You know the story very well. Jesus died a gruesome death. Before he even got to the cross, they beat him down to a pulp. So much the more, he couldn't even carry his own cross. And this is the scripture I want to show you. It's found in Mark, I believe it's 1521. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. Imagine that. Jesus was so beaten down, so weakened, that somebody else had to come and help him carry that cross to the skull mountain. Think about that. That's a gory scene. Nothing to really, you know, be happy about. Nothing exciting about that scene. But if you... If you, if, you, if you miss it, that would that, 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 be a shame. I want you to see something. In Jesus' worst moment, in Jesus' worst moment where he's being condemned, being crucified, being mocked, being beaten, someone was still there to assist in helping him get to the place of his destiny. No one wants to die. No, no, no one wants that destiny. I get that. But for the joy that was set before him. I believe Jesus didn't just see the cross. He saw beyond the cross. How was he going to get there? In his humanity, in his human limitations. Yes, he needed help. And somebody came to help him. While everybody is laughing, mocking, spitting, beating, all this stuff. Somebody was there to help. I'm here to tell you. Someone's there to help you. And I'm not even, even talking about just the Lord. We know that. God is always there. But God is faithful to send people to help. Someone is there to help you. Someone needs to hear that. Because you've been saying no one's there. No one's there. That is a lie. Someone is there to help you. Someone is there as part of the prepared plan of God for your life to assist. It may be a brown canister. Maybe you may be looking for a yellow canister, but someone is there to help. That's the goodness of God. God will send people your way to help you, to pray for you, to spend time with you, to assist you, to bless you, to ask you how you're doing. Don't overlook those moments. Because when you do, when you do, you're overlooking a part of the breakthrough. I say this all the time with people who are getting married. It's so true. And every, every person that, that, that is getting married always says, yeah, Pastor, that's so true. When you're engaged, and those who are not engaged, let me just prepare you. Because this is going to happen. When you're engaged, your relationships will change. There'll be people you would expect to be your ride or die. And they just died. 
And there are people that you didn't think had you in their heart the way they do. And they will be there front and center. I'm speaking prophetically. Trust me. Trust me. You will find that when you get engaged and something major is about to change in your life, relationships start to shift. Now, you can easily focus on the negative or you can look at that person that you would never think. Like, my God, how, how did you... How did you play this part in my life? I needed this. That was God preparing, preparing you for this big moment. God loves you too much to leave you by yourself. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. Here's what we do. We curse our social life. We curse our relations by saying, no one cares for me. No one's with me. No one cares for me. No, 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 no. People are there for you. They love you. Stop running away from people. Stop running away from close relationships. Stop running away from the people that are there to help you carry that cross, that are there to help you bring you to that destiny of yours. Stop running away. Because people are there for you. Oh, I just feel the grace on that. I want to let you know you're not alone. Somebody say, I'm not alone. In the name of Jesus, you're not alone. Thank God you're not alone. Thank God that there were people that came and said, I see you suffering. How can I help? Someone called and said, hey, you've been on my mind. How can I help? That happened. Don't forget that it happened. It did. Appreciate that it did. Say, thank you, Lord, that you put me in people's hearts. Thank you, Lord God, that someone cared enough to think about me, to send me a a message on on Facebook or wherever and say, hey, how's it going? That happened. Don't forget that it happened. Because it's so easy to say no one's there for me. That is a lie, and that is what Satan is looking for. He's looking for you to say that and for him to say, you know what, girl? You're right. No one is there for you. You know what, man? You're right. All your homies are whack. No one's there for you. (laughs) And then you begin to put yourself into a pity party. You begin to feel sorry for yourself. You begin to condemn yourself. And you're moving further and further and further away from your big break. Start blessing your life. Thank you, Lord, for those that you have for me. In the name of Jesus. Some of you need to go to people and say, you know what? I've never said thank you for this. You took time to spend with me, and I never appreciated the way I should. Thank you. Start sowing into the people that have sowed into you. Start doing that. Start appreciating those that God has sent to you. It's an honor to God when you acknowledge those who have taken time to pour into you. It's an honor to God, and it positions God to release more into your life. In the name of the Lord, that is your portion. Do you receive that? This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.